We're going to take a look at step number 12 in recovery. Again, it's a Bible lesson with the application for our life. And we're going to look at step 12. And regardless of whether you are one of the nicest people in the world, living for the Lord, never been wrapped up in any kind of major addiction with drugs or anything, this still fits your life. It's still good to practice the steps and to walk through all the way to step 12 because it will help you grow into the Lord. And if you are a person that has been wrapped up in addiction, then these steps are definitely going to help you experience the freedom of Almighty God in your life and to be free from the addiction. We're going to do step 12 today, and I'm just going to read it, then I'm going to say a prayer. And step 12 is this. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to others and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your wonderful spirit that's in our lives. Thank you for your holy presence. And thank you, Lord, that we have experienced forgiveness because your precious blood was shed on a cross and it was spilt for us and you took the pain and punishment. And because of that precious blood that was spilt, Lord, we have been washed of our sin. There's power in the blood of Jesus. And we have experienced it because of the amazing forgiveness you've brought into our lives. Nothing that we've earned, something that you have given. But it wasn't cheap. You gave your life. So God, thank you that you, Jesus, came, died, and rose from the dead so that we could have freedom and new life and that we could know that we're loved by you and that, Lord, we are your children, and we've been adopted in. And your Holy Spirit power, the same Spirit that raised you, Jesus, from the dead, that same power dwells within us today. So thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you've done. And thank you for giving us this new life. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, let's get right into this. Again, I want to read it. It's step 12, and, and it's having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try, tried to carry this message to others and to practice these principles in all our affairs. So I want to bring you to a passage of chapter 9 of the book of Acts, and it's, it's the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul was probably about 28, 29 years old when he had an encounter with Jesus. Now, he was a very religious person. He was a person that tried to practice all of the Ten Commandments and all of the 613 laws written about all the Ten Commandments. And he tried to be good. He was a person that wanted to wipe out Christianity. Because he was zealous for his faith. 
And it was while he was going to Damascus, 28, 29 years old, that when he was on his horse with others, and he had, he had soldiers and people with him, and they were going to go take captive any Christians in Damascus, um, that, that the Lord came into his life. Now, I would say he didn't realize his life was out of control, but his life was totally out of control. He didn't realize that he was living in sanity, but he was living in sanity. And, and so, as you take a look at chapter 9, you'll, you'll see as he's on his way to Damascus to imprison Christians, his name at that time, he went by Saul, and, and all of a sudden, it says in verse 3 of chapter 9, as he neared Damascus, on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground, and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Why do you persecute me? Now, now the, the Paul, Saul at the time, was going to Damascus to persecute Christians, to persecute God's people, to persecute people who had put their trust in Jesus. And now there's a light that shines around him, knocks him off of his high horse, and, and the wording, the words that he hears are, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And then if you look at the story in verse 5, it says, he says, who are you, Lord? And then he hears, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. He replied, now get up, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. So now he's got to go into Damascus, but he's no longer going with his marching orders that, that came from the high priest where he had a, a, a letter from, from the synagogue or to the synagogue in Damascus to look around and find Christians. Now he's getting orders from Jesus and, and the Jesus who he's persecuting. And, and so what Jesus is saying in this passage is, if you hurt my people, you hurt me. And, and, so, and so he gets his marching orders. Now get up, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. You're going to be told what to do. Did, did Saul at this point, was, was it that he wanted to surrender? Not really. But he didn't have a choice. He had to surrender because the Lord overpowered him. And then look what it says. It says in verse 7, The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. He was blind. And symbolically, maybe what God is saying to him through this experience is that you're blind. You've been walking blindly. And, and, and then it goes on, and, and it tells us, so they led him by the hand into Damascus. Now, he was the one out in front, you know, he's the big man. But now he's being led by the people that he's leading. 
And it says, for three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. And then, in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for the man, a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias. Let me read this again. Verse 11, it says this. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. So the Lord's saying, okay, Ananias, I, I want you to go to this house. There's a man named Saul there. He is, he is praying and he is seeing in a vision that you're actually going to come there and, and you're going to pray for him and restore his sight. And then look what it says in verse 13. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel, and I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. So here you have, this is what you have. You have somebody that has offended another person, and that Saul has offended Ananias and all of the Christians. And, and now, now, Ananias has to go to the house because the Lord now has, is going to and has chosen Saul to be his chosen vessel to take the word and the, the gospel that he has been trying to stamp out literally to the Jews and to the, the people, the chosen people of God, but literally to the Gentiles and to the world. What he was stamping out, he is now being called by God to promote. Ah, turn, turn of a table there, right? And, and then, so Ananias goes to the house, and, and it tells us in, in verse 17, it says, And then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Now, I, wa I want you to know that in this process right here of, of this passage, there's a couple things that I, I think we, we don't see, but I want to read into it a little bit. And, and in this here, there's, there's Saul, who his life is a complete mess because he's running it on his own, and he's killing people people and imprisoning people and and then God knocks him off of his high horse and it's and it's at that moment that his life actually is out of control completely and and he realizes that there's a God who can actually restore him because because he is completely blind now that's what addiction does too you know it it just it just breaks us it just it just blinds us to do the things whatever we want and then the lord comes into our lives and he knocks us off our, our high horses right and it's there that 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 he realizes there's a god who can restore me to sanity 
And he's realizing that as he's been sitting for three days and praying and, and Jesus has been talking to him. And he sees the vision. And, and now there has to be this, he's probably examined his life. When Ananias showed up, he, probably, he was probably already thinking all of the wrongs that he had done and the people that he had hurt. And, and he, he was probably not writing it down, but taking note of it in his mind. All of these terrible things. And when Ananias showed up, it doesn't tell us this, but, but maybe it was just some creative nonfiction thinking. We could say, you know what, more than likely... When Ananias walked in, there was some tension in the room. Because Ananias was one of the people that Saul was going to persecute and imprison. And so, and so, so there was probably some tension. But what we read is something maybe happened in between that time that Ananias walked in and, and Ananias said, Brother Saul. Because God had already, Jesus had already said to Ananias, listen, he's my chosen vessel. I know what he was doing, but he's not going to do that anymore. He's my chosen vessel. And, and, so, and so here Ananias, then Brother Saul, and he prays for and, and there had to be this amends. And when you take a look at, you know, the, the step four and the step five and the step six and the step seven and the step eight and the step nine, it's all about restoration and making amends and examining your heart and cleaning out the mess, right? And, and, and even there was more amends as well. As you, you take a look and you, you'll go down and you'll, you'll see in another passage of, of Scripture here, even after uh, Saul, was was now part of the church to some degree the people still were were still a little bit concerned if you take a look at acts chapter 9 verse 26 it says when he came to jerusalem he tried to join the disciples but they were all afraid of him not believing that he really was a disciple and then and then it's cool because we see one of the biblical sponsors Someone that's going to help him. Somebody that has been growing in the Lord already. And we see his name. His name is right here in verse 27. It says, so, so everybody's afraid of him. They're like, well, no, they don't even believe that it happened. But it says this, but it says this in verse 27. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved freely about and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. And so it's, it's this restoration process that had taken place and amends had been made. And, 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 and I would just say, more than likely Saul, the Apostle Paul now, apologized, asked for forgiveness. His heart was broken over what he was doing because he realized he was no, not working for God while he was persecuting he was actually working against God's people and now his heart was was changed by Jesus he was now had the Holy Spirit in him 
And and you know, that's what there there are these steps that we work and and if you take a look at again the the steps, I'll, I'll just read through them. Right, we admitted that we were powerless over our problems and that our lives had become unmanageable. We came to believe that a power, Jesus, greater than ourselves, could restore us to sanity. We made a decision to turn our wills and our lives over to the care of God. We made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Just being honest, this is what's in here. We admitted to God, to ourselves, to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. In other words, we just confessed it, got it out in the open. Satan could no longer have us and hold us captive to it, right? Six was, we, we were entirely ready to have God remove these defects of character. So now, we, after we look at it all and it breaks our heart and, and we're ready to hand it over, we're like, we got to get to a place where we're going to turn it all over. And then, and then in verse, verse 7, or not verse 7, number 7 of this, the step is we humbly ask God to remove our shortcomings. God, we're, we're asking you to remove these shortcomings. I'm, 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 I'm asking you to change now this human being. And then, and then in number, number eight, we made a list of all the persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Just write their names down. It's not about, they did this to me, so I did that. No, it's about making amends with them, cleaning your side of the street, okay? And then number nine of the step is we made a direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. And number 10 is we continued to take a personal inventory when we were wrong, promptly to admit it. So we, we continue to look at ourselves and say, oh, I didn't realize there was that stone in the field of my heart. That's got to be removed. Removed a lot of stones already, but that's now going to be removed as well. It's constantly taking an inventory. And then number 11 was we sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God. Praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry it out. So now instead of... Again, we can pray to God, ask God, and, and bring our needs and petition his throne. But in this step, what we're doing is we're not bringing God our agenda. We're actually going to God, and we, we make a conscience effort to have a connection with him. And we can do that through Jesus. And, and then we're, 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 we're asking him to give us, direct us, in his will and his plan for our life and then the power to be able to live it out. It's really saying, now, Lord, I'm just, I'm like a sail. Fill up the sail and direct me. I'm not going to direct myself. And God not only is the wind to drive the sail of your life, but God is also the rudder that is steering your life, okay? And, and then the last thing is this. The last thing is this. Having had a spiritual awakening, this is 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry the, these, this message to others and to practice these principles in all of our affairs.
Now, this is the key. This is the verse. And the Apostle Paul was already, after he walked through this process and after three years or so of discipleship, he was going out and he, was, he would begin to proclaim and he would go with Barnabas. He would be a missionary. He would start the journey. And now, what was he doing? He was telling them what had happened to him. He had the spiritual awakening he now wants them to know that they can have the same spiritual awakening with Jesus. The same Jesus who died and rose from the dead for him is the same Jesus that can move into their lives. The same Jesus that has brought healing in his life and has given him a purpose to live and he's found forgiveness and new life is the same Jesus that they can experience within their own lives as well. And so he's going and he begins to tell. And he goes, he, he, he's going to go eventually to Antioch, and he's going to be preaching with Barnabas, and they're going to be on, a, on a, a missions trip. And they're going to go back to Jerusalem, and eventually he's going to continue to go out, and he's going to take others with him. Barnabas is going to stay back, and he's going to have different people that are going to be on the journey, but he's going to carry out the mission. And the mission is going to be to tell others about the spiritual awakening that he has had and, and to continue to allow the Lord to move in his life. That's what step 12 is all about. And he was let's, 28, 29 years old when he became a Christian. And, and then it was about 35, I don't know, 35, 34 AD. And, and then... We see towards the end of his life, he might have been maybe 65, 66, 67 years old. We see him standing before um, Agrippa, before a governor, before Festus and, and Felix and, and a king, Agrippa, and his wife, Bernice, proclaiming the gospel. And he tells them his experience. And, and he begins to share, and he shares it in Jerusalem with everybody as well. And he tells them, listen, I, in, in chapter 22, you can see where he shares it in Jerusalem. And he even says the exact same words in Acts chapter, chapter 9. Saul, Saul, he's telling them, I fell to the ground and heard a voice say to me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord, I asked. I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting, right? And then he goes on and even says, but then what the Lord said, get up, the Lord said, and go into Damascus. There you will be told all that you have been assigned to do. And he tells them the story of his experience. Even at the, towards the end of his life and the, at the end of Acts, the book of Acts, the last few verses here, he is in um, Rome now and he is proclaiming. And, and look what it says in verse 30. It says, for two whole years, this is Acts chapter 28, for two whole years Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him Boldly and without hindrance, he preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus. And that's where the book completely ends. So now what was he doing? He was doing step 12. He had a spiritual awakening. And as a result of, of, of having this spiritual awakening, and they didn't have the steps then, but he followed probably the steps that we have. And, 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 and he now is carrying the message out and he's to he's practicing these principles in all of his affairs that's what step 12 is about for our life 
Your life was chaos. You realize there's a God that could restore your life and bring order out of all of the chaos. You put your trust in him and you turned over everything. All of the problems, all of the things you could not solve, you gave your whole life. You realize you couldn't control people and, and, and you're all of these different circumstances. You took care of what you could take care of, but you gave to God what you knew you didn't have control over. So why are you even worrying over it and trying to manipulate it? And you trusted him. And then you started to take that personal inventory to look at your side of the street and clean it up. And all the way from four through nine, there was this cleaning going on. And ten, you kept cleaning up and 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 then 11, growing closer to him and wanting to know his will. And, and now 12, tell everybody how you were broken, how where your life was at before you started this journey with God, following these biblical steps, tell them where you were. Tell them about your encounter and when it happened, what exactly happened, where were you, when, what was your life like, what were you thinking, what were you feeling, what were your relationships like, and, and then the moment that the light started to shine through that little teeny window that was covered with dust in the, 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 the cave, the cellar that you were in, and this one ray of light began to shine, and you, God began to set you free, and you put your trust in him. Tell us about that moment, and then where you're at now. This is why Paul always did that. And one of the reasons is that you never want to forget where you came from. You never want to forget that left to yourself without God, you would still be trapped in your bondage, in your addiction, in your sin. You might even be dead right now. And you never want to forget where you've come from. And also realize that God is not done with you yet. And he's taking you on a journey and there's still more work to do. I'm not who I used to be. But I know that God is going to continue to change me and make me into the man of God and make you into the man or woman of God. And he's still working in you. That's why it's important to tell others. To never forget it's God who saved you. So that we'll never lie to ourselves and think, look what I've done. We can say, well done. You can take a, a pat on the back. Good job. But remember one thing that left to yourself, if I'm left to myself, I would not be, you would not be where you are today. 
if you've walked with the Lord through the process of growing as a follower of him. Just a good thing, a good thing to do. And, and remember this, that what you've gone through, a lot of people have not yet experienced. And they really do not even have a clue of the experience that you've had spiritually. And now it's time to be a voice to tell others so that others can be set free and live the, with the presence of God's spirit and a peace in their heart and experience forgiveness from sin and experience a restoration of relationships with moms and dads and husbands and wives and children and right and fellow employees and employers it's share it it's free there's an abundance of to ev for everybody his grace is so great and big so share it with others go tell them go tell them the apostle paul after that happened he never forgot where he came from after experience that encounter, he told everybody. And he, he continued to do one thing every day. Trust the Lord. Just trust him every single day. And when you've done the wrong thing or when you've hurt somebody, go back to that inventory and process it and work through it. Go tell him. Let me give you the way that you can do it. One, and I'll put this up on the post we're going to have here in a little bit. One, give your testimony. You're going to tell us briefly, where were you? How broken was your life? What were some of the habits, if you can say those publicly? What were some of the habits that you did? And where did they lead you to? Two, where were you when you experienced this awakening? And you took your, your, your first step to understand there's a, a God who can bring order out of this chaos and, and the step to say, I'm going to trust you. And what happened when that happened? And how has your life changed? That's all. Where were you? What was life like? Where were you when Jesus came in? And how has your life changed? Huh? Step number 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this, this message to others and to practice these principles in all our affairs. I pray that these steps that I've gone through and I've tied some biblical accounts to each step that I think you could remember have helped you. 
And I pray that you will be able to live free from addiction, from any life-controlling issues. Because I know there's a God who can set you free and bring a power in your life to live for him. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for coming into our lives. Thank you, Lord, that you found us. Some of us were not much different than Saul. We were on our high horse. We were doing our own thing. We thought we were doing a good thing, living our way, making our plan, and you knocked us off our high horse. Thank you, Lord, that you're willing to knock us down so you can pick us back up and save us from the depth of our wayward road so that we can be on a road that glorifies and brings peace glorifies you and brings peace and love into our lives. Lord, we pray that you would help us to look around, to not keep it a secret, to share it. Even if there are people that are so arrogant and make funny faces when we tell them about how you came into our lives and set us free. God, help us to be able to plant the seed and not even be concerned so much about how it's going to grow, but like farmers, Lord, just throw the seed and share where we were and what life was like before and then when you came into our lives and how you changed our life. Help us to help others. And may we see people set free. And Lord, help us to continue to walk in this way and follow you and never turn back. Help us, Lord, never to forget that it's because of you that we are in the position of freedom now. And it's not by our own doing. It's when we surrender to you that you took over and brought us to this place. So help us never to look down our noses at anybody who is bound, who is wrapped up in just these life-controlling things in this world. Help us to be, God, the vessels that carry your love and the message. of Jesus and that Jesus saves. Thank you, Lord. We praise you. If you need to commit your heart to him today, step three, invite him into your heart. Just say, Jesus, right now, I invite you into my heart and I ask that you be my Lord and my Savior and I'm surrendering myself to you. And I'm turning over all of the dreams I have. I'm turning over all of the wants and the wishes and all of the things that I think should happen. I'm turning them over to you and I'm asking you to lead the way. I'm yours. Thank you, Jesus.